On this episode of the Loud Outs Podcast, Billy and I get into the Philadelphia Phillies and the bad injury news, including the latest dealing with Reese Hoskins. Is his career over in Philadelphia? What does this mean for them in 2023? We'll also talk about this time of year, big roster decisions that teams have to make. Who's going to be on that opening day roster? Who is not? The Loud Outs Podcast starts now. Welcome into another edition of the Loud Outs Podcast. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborg. Spilly getting a little bit closer here to opening day. And as much as we talked about it in the WBC, it does feel like teams are doing everything they can to get to the finish line to start the season and keep their team healthy. And unfortunately for the Philadelphia Phillies, a team that was in the World Series last year, they did not have a great regular season, but they snuck into the postseason by getting that last wild card spot and a really nice postseason, get to the World Series, lose to the Houston Astros in six. We're all wondering, could they get back? They made some pretty big moves this past offseason, but the injuries keep piling up. And the latest, a huge one for the Philadelphia Phillies and for the player involved, Reese Hoskins, the first baseman for the Phillies, set to be a free agent at the end of the year. We'll come to find out in a spring training game, he tears his ACL. Uh, He is out very likely very much like Gavin Lux, for the season. This is a huge blow for this team. The first base position, not an easy one uh, to fill. It's kind of been an up-and-down career for Reese Hoskins, but he was very good in the postseason. They certainly love him in Philadelphia. It was going to be a big story on whether or not he was going to be back in 2024. And all of that gets put on hold because Reese Hoskins is out for the season. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Uh, I mean, we were, I was watching the the replay. Anytime you have a non-contact play, it's usually bad news. Uh, in the in the case of Reese Hoskins, he's going back on a ground ball uh, deep, almost in the outfield grass, and you just see him like jump, uh, and that was it. And the second we saw it, we have our our little text chat chat line uh, with all of our loud outs on on MLB Network Radio, our, our active roster, our host, and um, you know immediately it goes looks like Reese Hoskins is is out for the season, and it really stinks, man. Like as as players on when you want to start the season off, you like, like you like more importantly than anything, when it comes to spring training, you just want to leave healthy. And you also understand getting hurt at the start of the season before the year has even begun, especially if you have a playoff caliber team, it's deflating. It is like, it's deflating for the fans. It's deflating for the front office It's deflating for the, the clubhouse. And you're like, man, we're, like Reese is our guy. This is somebody that last season when he hit his home run and he did the whole bat spike. I mean, how much did that kind of breathe life into the Philadelphia Phillies in their, in their postseason run? I think it had a big part to do with it as much as we talk about Bryce Harper and then all the other guys around, you know, Reese was, was integral through, through the, through the lean years. He was, he was there, you know, he has his flaws. That's Okay. But to see that player, that one specifically, especially knowing that Bryce Harper is out until at least midway through the season, that hurts. That And now the way I look at the Philadelphia Phillies is completely different than how I did two days ago. Yep, I'm with you on that one. And I think their fans are probably feeling the same thing. I mentioned, of course, it was a good offseason for them and the fact that they brought in Trey Turner uh, give him the big contract, a couple of smaller moves in there as well, but also a big one in the starting rotation, which was already pretty good. Uh, but Taiwan Walker joined that club uh, as well. The bullpen was looking pretty good to trade with uh, the Tigers to bring in Gregory Soto. Craig Kimball comes over as a free agent and Matt Strom 
uh, in that bullpen as well. And so you looked at just kind of a couple of little pieces and areas in which they needed uh, to add, and they did. And part of it was making up for Bryce Harper. We know Bryce Harper is going to miss somewhere around maybe the first couple of months of the season after the elbow surgery. We don't know exactly when he gets back and what the role will be. It'll be a DH early on, whether or not we actually see him in the outfield. Uh, this season remains to be seen, but it felt like Trey Turner was going to be that bat. It was going to kind of fill that need. In the meantime, he had a huge WBC with the five home runs and pretty clutch uh, pretty often uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies. But now the Reese Hoskins part of this, uh, especially at the first base position, it hurts. And it hurts for a couple of different reasons, not just that you're losing him, uh, but listening and reading some of the things after the fact and how much Reese Hoskins is respected in that clubhouse and what a huge piece he is in that clubhouse. We've all had an opportunity uh, to talk with him over the years, but especially uh, during the postseason post here on MLB Network Radio, and you could pick up on it pretty quickly, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious for a guy, um, you know, we know, right? We, there's kind of these glue guys in there. They're guys, guys, even though they're big league stars, um, that's going to sting even more. I mean, listen, you ultimately you get over it and you move forward, um, but no doubt that this clubhouse is going through some things right now. It sounds like Derek Hall will be the guy uh, that gets the opportunity. Uh, he was slated to kind of be the DH until Bryce Harper. Maybe he got back. They say they like him. Uh, there's definitely a good bat there uh, with him that we have seen. There's some pop uh, in that bat as well. But he was a rookie a year ago, 27-year-old uh, left-handed hitter, uh, likely going to be the guy that slides in and gets the first base at bats. He hit nine home runs in 41 games last year. Yeah, and There's definitely something there to like with him. Um, and again, not to take anything away, of course, from Reese Hoskins, but uh, Derek Cole's had a really nice spring. Five home runs this spring. He's slugging over a thousand. I know it's spring training, but it is 52 plate appearances. He did what he had to do to make sure they had the confidence in him uh, to take over some of those DH at bats. Now he's going to be the guy at first base. Well, I mean, this brings up what, what I know we're going to talk about a little bit later on is is the business side of baseball. With injury comes opportunity. I hate saying that, but it's the truth. And with the Phillies not signing Reese Hoskins, I don't know if they were going to give him an extension. Don't know. Uh, they could have, but they didn't. Not not during the offseason. So they must have had an internal candidate that they thought if if Reese goes down or if we move on from Reese, this is who we have. Hmm. It just means it speeds up the process. That's not what any organization wants to do. You don't want to have to speed up the process, but that's what good organizations have is depth. And depth means if I do lose this player, I have this player I feel comfortable with playing, taking extended at bats. In the case of Derek Hall, he showed us last year early in the early in the season, he's got some pop. He's got the ability to swing the bat. He did struggle midway through. I think he kind of ran into that wall. Uh, young players run into walls, right? Not not actual literal walls, but you know, physically, mentally, the grind of it, what it feels like to. You know, have a good series, and then you go on the road, and you get the bat shoved right up your your, your you know where, and mm -hmm. then you're then you start losing confidence, and you start going to early work, and then you start you know grinding. And last year, my assumption is Derek Hall went through that, which is a really good and important learning curve. It, it really is. I've gone through it. I remember going through a period of of my career where I was grinding, I was working hard every single day, and nothing was getting better. And then I I went through a period where I said, wait, what happens if I, sometimes less is more, you know, you start getting into your mind, like this isn't right. God, like this is what happens if I just take a little bit off, you know, take mm -hmm. a little bit. I still do my work, but just let my body recover. Let my, let my mind recover. Let my, let my brain be clear when I go up to the plate and it works. 
So there, there, there are times where you can overwork yourself. There are times where you're underworking yourself and you have to find that happy medium. That's why baseball players, it's, it's a, an adjustment. That's why routines change. And so we'll see what happens with Derek Hall. It, regardless, no matter if Derek Hall was going to be that player that's going to supplant Reese Hoskins, this stinks for the Phillies. Yeah. Like it stinks to lose Reese Hoskins. Yeah, no two ways about it. And it's unfortunate for him because if his Philadelphia Phillies career is over, this is not exactly how he wanted to go out. What it does for his free agency also will make it interesting. And who knows, maybe there's a, a shorter pillow type of contract in free agency potentially for him. He just turned 30 years old, so he'd be going into his age 31 season next year. Um, and so what this looks like after coming off a torn ACL, uh, I don't know. But I got to imagine for him that, again, the idea of ending his Philadelphia Phillies career uh, the six seasons that he had spent there, nearly 150 home runs uh, over that time, but a really good run, obviously, in the postseason last year and providing some really big moments uh, for the Phillies and their fans with uh, the six home runs that he had hit uh, in the postseason a year ago. Just not what anybody was anticipating. There was going to be a really nice ovation for him on opening day, uh, and it's not going. I mean, he can still get it, I guess. I don't know surgery-wise if he'll actually be there, but at some point, I suspect we'll see him around the club. Uh, but in the meantime, they move forward. It's not the only injury that they're dealing with. We mentioned Bryce Harper. We understand that part. We've known about it uh, for a long time. But now the other part of this comes in the starting rotation. Ranger Suarez likely not going to be ready to start the season with some forearm tightness. And now the Philadelphia Phillies have to figure out what they're going to do there at the back end of the rotation. They're very strong at the top. It's Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, mentioned Taiwan Walker, and Bailey Falter are going to be likely in that rotation uh, just a little bit over a year of service time. But what they do in the fifth spot right now, I do think becomes interesting. Ranger Suarez was a postseason hero as well for the Philadelphia Phillies. Matt Strom is a guy who came in as a reliever. They gave him a two-year, $15 million contract, but ended up kind of messing up the left-handed market a little bit because it came in high. Well, now they're talking about him potentially uh, getting some opportunities to start and maybe fill out that fifth spot. Not going to have enough time to build up the stamina that he needs. Uh, we're taping here on Friday morning. Today, Friday, uh, he is going to get a start and hopefully throw three innings. They're going to try to get one more of those before they start the season. And then again, it's your fifth starter. right? So you can push it back a little bit. The Philadelphia Phillies open up in Texas against the Rangers, and they have a day off after the first day. So you already have four days with just three games. I don't know what it looks like for them afterwards, but you have some time to get your fifth starter ready. But interesting here, and I don't know how long it's going to be. It's just tightness right now for Ranger Suarez. Hopefully it's nothing significant, but they're also scrambling right now, not just at first base, although it looks like Derek Hall can be the guy and so maybe they're not necessarily scrambling, but it's different than they went into spring training thinking how things were going to play out. But now they're going to do it uh, in the starting rotation as well. And whether it ends up being Matt Strom or somebody else, Matt Strom's not necessarily going to be able to go very deep in games. And so maybe it's a, a semi kind of quasi opener situation. We'll see what they decide. Uh, but they also now have a hole to fill in their starting rotation. Well, and, and they had one in Andrew Painter. Painter was a 19-year-old that was going to turn 20 second week of April, and watching him pitch, I was like, "That's a big league pitcher. He should he should be on the big league club." Well, he if you you got to go back a couple of weeks, he suffered a UCL UCL sprain. Hmm. So they they <laughs> this offseason this spring training for the Philadelphia Phillies has has been bad. I mean, physically, it's it, for for Rob Thompson. Like that's, that's one where you're like, God, get us, get us the heck out of here. Like, this is not a good place for us to be in. Andrew Painter would have been my immediate 
uh, person to put in. But mm-hmm. if he if he would have kept a healthy spring training and felt no discomfort, I think he would have been in that spot. But because he's gone through, uh, you know, this this UCL UCL uh, actually the the true diagnosis is right proximal ulnar collateral ligament sprain. They're not going to push this kid at all uh, at 19 and run the risk of a Tommy John surgery. So a- Andrew's on the top shelf for for a bit. So it brings up the question now, CJ. If you're the Phillies, and I was looking at the fan graphs projections for the Phillies with Reese Hoskins and Ranger Suarez going down, Mm -hmm. their projected win totals have dropped down three games. Now, why is three games important? Because you do have the Braves who are at the top at 93 wins. The Mets dropped down after Edwin Diaz got hurt from 92 wins to 89. And the Phillies that were sitting right around 87 wins are now down to 84. Those are those are big big number drops, and you know is it still a postseason team? Sure. Do you trade? Is this trading time or is this internal candidate time? How, I mean, how would you respond? Usually, you don't want to overreact, but if you don't no. react, you're not going to you you could fall behind really quick, especially in the month of April. Yeah, I mean, listen, everything gets messed up here, right? Whether it's match drama that gets the uh, spot in the rotation, that means your bullpen's going to be a little bit lighter. Although that bullpen is in pretty good shape and what they bring to the table when it comes to the plus arms, your death depth and what you had in the minor leagues or who was going to fill in rotation spots, obviously also getting tested here, what you're going to do with DH or Bryce Harper down, what you're doing at first base. Like they're getting pushed before you even get to opening day. It's one thing to have depth and kind of ready to maybe have guys fill in spots. But now it's like, what if one more thing goes wrong, right? If one of the guys in the top of the rotation, those top three that I mentioned needed a day or come up with something uh, that is nagging. The other part of that, when you are one of those guys is that sometimes you're more likely to just try to plow through something, knowing that the team is really light uh, right now. And that can't uh, necessarily always be a good thing. So where they go from here for me uh, is looking around. It's a very difficult time uh, to make a trade and to try to get the piece that you're looking for. And so maybe they take some chances. There's another guy that is in the mix. Michael Plasmeyer uh, is a 26-year-old lefty uh, who is also maybe getting a look here. They saw him last year for the first time, got to the big leagues, uh, made a couple of appearances out of the bullpen through the bowl well, and now he's sitting here uh, coming off spring training so far where uh, it has gone pretty well for him uh, also. So he could end up uh, being the guy. Five games pitched, three of those starts. He's up to 11 innings in the spring training. Now the walks have been a little bit high, and then the strikeouts have been down, but he hasn't let a run. So I take that for what it's worth, right? I mean, nine hits, eight walks, 17 base runners, and one run allowed. So either he's getting some help behind him or he's a magician right now. I don't know how they evaluate his situation, uh, but take it for what it's worth, 11 innings, one run, but you dig a little bit deeper and the walks are high. Uh, the hits are about where you would expect them to be. And the strikeouts are low. He only has five strikeouts in those 11 innings. But that's another guy in the mix. But I think what it tells us when we hear that name is they're a little bit thin uh, right now and trying to figure that out. But I don't know how you pull off a trade. I guess you can start looking at some of maybe um, the non-contenders. But this division, in general, for the National League East, as we looked at it and said, man, there were three really good teams at the very top of this thing in the Braves, in the Mets, in the Phillies, Marlins, and Nationals. Probably not going to be contenders, although the Marlins will be disruptors because of some of the great pitching that they have. They're all dealing with something. right? We know the New York Mets lose Edwin Diaz. Uh, with the oh. Philadelphia Phillies, we just ran through it. And now for the Atlanta Braves, uh, no Rysel Iglesias to start the season. They're still trying to figure out what they're going to do with their fifth spot, sending down some names that you know, like Mike Soroka, who just got sent down. And so this division 
Um, while still up for grabs as we sit here and evaluate some of the injuries uh, that are happening between the three juggernauts in that division, uh, the Braves, I guess, are the healthiest of the group, but not having their closer potentially to start uh, the season, not nearly as bad as losing Edwin Diaz for the whole year. But this was one that we we're going to keep a close eye on. This was going to be a fun one. It's still going to be a great division. They're just all limping into the start of the season. Yeah, it's crazy. You lose the best closer at baseball with the Mets. You just lost a 30 home run hitter with the Phillies and probably their second best starter and a, a young cat that could be a top end of the rotation starter and, and painter. Mm. And he watched the Braves and the Braves are, Hey, we can, we can actually send down Mike Soroka Soroka who, you know, Canadian born. He was, he was almost slated to be the ACE a couple of years ago, suffered a, a horrific Achilles tear and you can send him to the minor leagues. Again, it shows you the the strength of the Atlanta Braves and why why we consider them a favorite uh, to come out of the National League East. But man, it, it has been a a very difficult, very difficult uh, injury laden off season spring training for the National League East. Where I used to look at this division, and say, "Oh man, this is like the strongest division right now in Major League Baseball." And, and yeah, I, I do think Diaz not being there, Reese out for the season. Do I think Derek Hall can hit 30 this year? No. Uh, could he surprise me? Sure. Uh, but they have weakened their division. There's no question. It's not the same division now that it was uh, February when we were looking at, at it on paper. Yeah. And the Mets dodged a bullet on Brandon Nimmo, who looks like he probably will be ready. We saw that slide and there was a lot of concerns there. Of course, they also uh, lost Jose Quintana going to be shut down here uh, for a little while. Uh, dealing with that rib uh, situation. And so, yeah, there's a lot going on early on. We don't love seeing it, uh, but it is part of it. But it's just so interesting to kind of look at that division um, in particular. Uh, I mentioned kind of what happens at this time of year. You and I are certainly very used to uh, the end of March when you're fighting uh, to try to get on a team and also the really difficult decisions that teams have to make. It was interesting listening to Bruce Bochy here in Ranger Camp uh, when he is asked about you know, certain things and directions they're going to go in and regarding some players where you have, you get caught in the, in the middle a little bit, uh, say like an arm that has been a starter in the minor leagues, but might be able to help you in the bullpen in the big leagues. And then what do you do as far as disrupting uh, development? Well, the, the Rangers are now in a situation where they expect to win. Right? They spend a lot of money on the team. Uh, they're going to do what they have to do uh, to win. And it sounds like you know the best 26 that they can take. Well, what that means in the process for all teams is difficult decisions because there are times there, you and I have been in camp. Uh, where maybe the best 26 players don't necessarily break camp or in, in the, the old time. days for us when it was 25 players, right? Now, there's a couple of different things that go into that. You have roster considerations. Uh, you have track record, right? We look sometimes at spring training. Say, man, this guy had a great spring training, you know, 13 innings, and he threw great. You know, but last year, he had a you know, four and a half year, and the walk rate was too high. You know, what should you count on? You trust your eyes on what you see or how spring training went, or can you? should you be taking a little bit more look at the track record? And that's where that conversation about taking the best 26 or 25 in our day uh, always would come up. You know, maybe the guys that are playing the best at that time are not always breaking camp. And these are difficult decisions for teams to make. For non-contenders, they're probably not going to take some chances if a player is added of options and they still like him, even if he hasn't performed as well as somebody else, say a non-roster guy that they know they can send to the minor leagues. But this is a, a unique time. It can be a tough time. We know where the stars are going, right? But for the rest of the mortals in this game uh, that are battling for a spot in the opening day lineup 
or a spot on the opening day roster in the bullpen, in the rotation, whatever it may be. And there's going to be some guys that are are going to get released as well. This is a really difficult time uh, for a lot of players. And there's a lot of pressure here. I felt like the times there was more pressure last week of spring training when you're trying to make a team as opposed to when you actually get on the big league roster and and are facing big league hitters because it can mean a big difference for a lot of players and where you start the year. So let's take the example. We'll stick with the National League East for a second. The Atlanta Braves. Atlanta Braves, we saw Dansby Swanson move on. Move on to Chicago. And we believe that the Atlanta Braves were going to use Vaughn Grissom as their shortstop. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and Vaughn spent the entire offseason working with Ron Washington. They felt comfortable with him as their shortstop. They were looking forward to having him as their shortstop. He got optioned down last week. And so you're being like, what the heck? I thought they wanted him as a shortstop. They did want him as a shortstop. He had an option remaining. So you have three options over the course of your your career. You can only use it one per season. So, you know, every player has an option. And the reason why it's there is so you don't get the Kurt Flood or you don't get a, a, a player stuck in an organization for their life and they can't go anywhere. So this provides the freedom for a player to become eventually a free agent. Now, the only way you can use or burn an option is if the player's on the 40 man. If a player's not on a 40-man roster, they have no options. They don't. There's some minor league service time, but but it's, until you're on the 40-man, you don't have an option to burn. So in the case of uh, Vaughn, he had options remaining, and they really like Orlando Arcia. Arcia has no options remaining. So if, if you're not going to keep Vaughn as your everyday shortstop and you don't want to lose Arcia, you have to option Vaughn down. So there is a tough, tough conversation because here you're, you're trying to explain, we really, really like you. You have this built-in safety net for us. We don't want you to start the season on the bench. We also don't want to lose Arcia. And we also really like Aria Adrianza, another non-roster invitee that we'd like to add to our roster to give us additional depth. So we're going to send you to the minors. You get some seasoning, go play shortstop a little bit more, feel more comfortable. And if one of these guys starts to struggle, which you'll probably see, uh, it may, Von Grissom will, will come back up and you'll start playing shortstop again. But that's the business side of it that is really frustrating. Really frustrating, especially if you're, if you're a guy with the option. You're like, what the heck? And then there's the other cases where you might be the veteran player that is ready to move on to that you know, I'm better than this guy. And they go, well, listen, um, this guy's making league minimum. And, you know, to put you on the roster, we're going to have to remove somebody for the 40 man roster. And we don't really want to lose any of the guys that we have hang with them. You could choose to, you know, accept the assignment, go to triple a, or you can get outright released and you could try to, to latch on with another team. And that from, you and I have gone through that part and that's true heartache. That is true baseball heartache, especially when you know that you earn the right to be on a major league team and you're not because of some clerical aspects of, of being a player. Yeah. Now I would say this, when you're in Vaughn Grissom's spot, you, and you're trying to earn that shortstop position with Dansby Swanson going to the Cubs and feeling like he could be the guy, but the story was working at shortstop, getting the work in with Ron Washington. And can he prove that he's an everyday Big league shortstop. If he blew them out of the water with his defense, I think he gets the job. Uh, but because he didn't, right? We're, we're in that position. You can leave, no doubt. 
it, it can't be, yeah, it's a pretty good spring, but there's other things I don't like, or I wish it was a better spring, which was a little bit better command. I uh, wish that he had a little more range and different things that you look at how you evaluate players. And then, of course, there's some data components to that as well now. Uh, but I think for I talked about this on the broadcast last night. When you're one of these non-roster players or even a player with options and, and you're on the bubble of making the team, you want to leave no doubt. I mean, you, that that's part of it. Uh, there's a guy here, young pitcher, who's been a starter, and we see him in the bullpen. He had a little bit of a rough one yesterday, but it's been good. And as you get down the stretch here, you just want to blow everybody away. Uh, and I don't mean every hitter you face, but everybody that's evaluating you and making that decision. The other thing you brought up as far as the options go is what we see in bullpens. The Tampa Bay Rays right now only have one reliever who they cannot option to the minor leagues. That is huge. That was Jalen Beeks, right? Uh, it Beeks? Uh, I thought it was Clevenger. I can go back and look. Um, I thought it was Garrett Clevenger. Uh, let me see. Yeah. No, Beeks has two options. Yeah, they don't it, have anybody in their in their and they don't have anybody in their bullpen with more than four years service time. That speaks and he's barely that crazy? four. But everybody else has options, and so that gives them tons of flexibility with mm-hmm. arms. If guy's having a bad spring or he has a bad run at some point, he needs a little bit of a breather. They can do it. You start looking around at other bullpens, and you just don't see it nearly as much. I'll use the New York Mets as an example. They have two pitchers that have options uh, in their bullpen. All right, and that's just kind of the way it goes. It's a veteran bullpen. That's the upside of it, but they're not going to have the flexibility. And quite honestly, had Edwin Diaz uh, not been hurt, they probably would have had one reliever that had options, right? So, and it's flexibility, and you can always release a player if you have to. But the flexibility to send somebody down or maybe not have them start the season because they're not quite where you want them to be is a nice luxury to have. And that is uh, that is not existent right now. Uh, for not to say not existent, but it's uh, it's a much more difficult thing to manage. The Rays, we know, they do it intentionally and they do it well. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the part, again, like there's a control cost aspect of this. A lot of this has to do with accounting. Uh, a lot of this has to do with years of control that you can have for the player. So, uh, I mean, certain teams like Tampa, they're masters at manipulating the roster. And and I, I, I don't think it's fair to call it manipulating the roster when it comes to Tampa, but it is what it is. I mean, they, they just don't keep their bullpen relievers long enough to have a cost, have a cost associated with them. And it truly is the best way to take advantage of your arms. Every team, we point this out all the time when it comes to Tampa, they pitch in a controlled environment. They have enough arms in their minor league system. If they throw strikes or they like a certain pitch, they bring them up to the big leagues. They tell them to keep throwing it over and over and over again. Talk to Kyle Snyder about it. It Mm. works. That model works specifically in Tampa. It works. He can bring him right up from Durham, let him go for a weekend series against the Yankees. They've never seen this guy. Option him back down. Keep doing this all year long. We can play this game all year long. And it works. Not every organization feels comfortable doing that. And uh, to each their own. But it it, it definitely works. I don't know how uh, other organizations are going to do it. But I will point out, especially as we get closer and closer to opening day, making an opening day roster is a big deal. It's oh, yeah. a really, really big deal for a player. Even if you go, oh, well, we'll call him up in, in April. No, no. There's a sense of accomplishment when you break with the team. There is a sense of accomplishment from the offseason to what you've, what you've grinded for to break with the team. And when teams take that away from the player for the clerical aspect of it, that's where it gets, there's always some built-in animosity. I want to be yeah. on that opening day roster. Yeah, it's a great point. I think guys, for the most part, do get over it, but I hate when it happens. 
Ronald Acuna Jr., maybe Wander Franco. We've seen it over the years um, with some players that we feel like probably uh, should have been there. You know, Francisco Alvarez with the New York Mets, it was a story. Could he find a way to make the team? He had a really bad spring, and they sent him down. So it wasn't his time anyway. But when you have the good springs, George Springer, back at the beginning of his career, if you remember, there was a story there with the Houston Astros. They tried to sign him to a team-friendly deal while he was still in the minor leagues, and he didn't. And the rumor says that goes that he did not get called up in September because of it, didn't make the team the next year because of it. Um, and that gets in the way. We've seen things change a little bit. But, you know, if a player deserves to be there, put him there. And that's what we'd like to see. But the reality is it does not always happen that way. A lot of tough decisions coming up as we tape this. We are six days away from opening day. It'll be Thursday, March 30th. A lot of difficult decisions between now and then and some names that you know that you have heard of that will be finding out that they're not making teams uh, and getting released. And it's always tough as you get a little bit older and always wondering, will I get an opportunity uh, somewhere else? And so certainly our hearts are with those guys because you and I have been in that spot before. Thanks for listening to the Loud Outs podcast. We'll be here all season long. Plus, you can catch Spilly and I and Brad Lidge and the rest of the Loud Outs family on our radio show, 3 to 6 Eastern Time on MLB Network Radio Channel 89. That's Loud Outs, the show. And this is Loud Outs, the podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Sirius XM Podcasts.